and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Lord, to you be all the glory this morning. God, we just thank you that we get to come into your presence today, Father God. Lord, that we do get to to lay ourselves down before you, Father God. So, Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, that the truth of heaven would pierce the hearts of man. Lord, that you would speak to us, that you would reveal your heart to us, your ways, your goodness, your mercy. God, that you would transform us like nothing else can, Father. Because that's the cry of our heart this day. Lord, to encounter more of you. To just be in your presence. To worship you, to adore you, and to love on you this day, Father God. So, Lord, may the words of man drop to the ground and may the truth of God just resonate in our hearts this day. Father, we pray in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, the guys have been preaching on anthems for the last month and I'm not really going to preach on anthems, but I guess it's it's tainted my, my thinking as I prepared the message for this week because um, I'm a big anthem person. I'm a big, I love worship, I love song. And so when I think of anthems, I think of, um, you know, those songs or those statements or those quotes that have shaped the different seasons of my life. And as we've started to talk about them over the last month, you know, they come into recollection. And so, you know, for me, my, my first anthem or my first declaration was Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You know, my mum sing that over me as a child and now I have the amazing privilege of singing that over Arabella every day and I love that that is her anthem you know every now and then at night she'll sing along with us in her beautiful tone at the top of her lungs singing this Jesus loves me you know and I love that that just resonates within her heart and is the anthem and 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 just the foundation of her her faith and her journey and then I think of a, a tough season of, of business and finances. And um, if you've been here for, for quite a while, you would have heard me preach once upon a time about that desert song that Hillsong put out. Uh, you are still God in every season. You know, I remember, I so remember that season. I remember driving in my car every day, just singing at the top of my lungs, just declaring this anthem of truth to God and just, you know, demanding that my soul, rise up soul, and just, just know that God is in every season of your life. And then I remember in the darkest times of the night when I had Arabella, as every new mum's experienced, just declaring, you know, this season too will come to pass. You know, for the good seasons and the bad seasons, isn't it? And learning those lessons that, you know, they're not a baby forever. And so embrace that and love that. But thank God they're not a baby forever. <laughs> um, and then this year, I love what's resonated with me most out of our worship for this year is we have declared the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. 
I love that. And for so many Sundays, it's just resonated with me. The simplicity of that. There is power in the name of Jesus. Just the name of Jesus. Just the name of Jesus. And then I've been doing a, um, a Bible study course with a few um, Pastor Matt Chandler from the States. And a quote that he pretty much says every week, where the ideal is lacking, grace abounds. And I think that's been my mantra over the last couple of months, where the ideal is lacking, grace abounds. And I feel myself saying it time and time again, you know, for my own life, I'm not the ideal person, not the ideal person to stand here or wife or mother or whatever it is. But God, I thank you that your grace abounds despite that. You know, whatever circumstances we step into with people, God, where the ideal is lacking, your grace abounds. And then the last few weeks, this new song that we've sung today, King of my heart, you are good. Oh my goodness. (laughs) That song is just, you know, just singing that in worship this morning, just it wells within my heart, just that declaration and the simplicity of those words, God, you are good. And again, just speaking to our soul, man, speaking to our, our mind, our will and our emotion and just declaring that no matter what I'm looking at, facing right now, God, you are good. You know, as we cry out for, for people like Jaden and we go, God, why? You know, what is it that he's walking through? You know, that poor guy's done his third round of chemo this week and it was hard, you know, and he didn't want to be lying there in that hospital bed. He didn't want to be going through those things. And so your heart just cries out for him. But then you've got to go, you know what, God? You are good. Despite this, despite what I'm seeing, despite this 18-year-old boy lying in a hospital bed, God, you are good. And that's what I keep professing from my lips. Not God, why? Not God, what's going on? Not God, where are you? But God, you are good. You are good, you are good, you are good. And I will keep declaring that over my life every day. You know, Psalm says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you. It's got to be our cry every day. Not just for our sakes, not just for his sake. You know, it's may the words of my mouth, the meditation. Where is my mind going today? What is my focus on? What am I allowing to be the loudest voice in my mind today? In a prayer meeting recently, I felt like God placed a burden on me and a plea for us, his people. Do you choose to be like Moses or do you choose to be like the children of Israel? He posed the question to me, who is God? Not who have people told me God is, but who do I know that God is? Beyond a shadow of a doubt. It's in the point of being able to answer this question that I believe that our lives are transformed forever. So out of that moment with God, I've been on a journey in Exodus the last month or so with Moses and the children of Israel. And... uh, There's a lot of chapters there. (laughs) 
So I'm going to uh, try and condense it all. So I am going to jump around a little bit this morning. So I apologize for that. If you want to follow on, initially, let's turn to Exodus chapter uh, 19. We're going to start there. But I just want to, um, I guess, highlight the main scriptures in this, this journey of Moses leading the, the children of Israel out of captivity, basically, and, and just the encounter. And so Moses, um, in Exodus chapter 19, we're going to start at verse 7, but prior to verse 7, Moses went up the mountain and God told him, downloaded to him what to speak to the children of Israel. So Moses has this amazing encounter with God and then we pick up at verse 7. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. Then all the people answered together and said... All the Lord has spoken, we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak to you and may believe forever. The end of chapter 19 goes on to the Lord instructing Moses on how to ready his people, basically to come into his presence and hear his voice. So he's downloading all the things that they need to do in, to be ready for that point. Now we're going to flip to Exodus chapter twenty eighteen. Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you or to prove you. And that is fear, respect, reverence may be before you so that you may not sin. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. You know, unfortunately, in this moment, in this encounter, the children of Israel chose to have an afraid fear of God. You know, when the mountains trembled, they didn't see the awe and the splendor and the strength and the majesty of God. They were just frightened for their own lives. So basically, in that moment, they said to Moses, no, we can't do this. We can't come into the presence of God. We can't face him. We can't hear what he has to say. We believe, but we'll believe through you in this moment. And I think sometimes, particularly for us in this uh, Aussie culture, we struggle with the concept of fearing the Lord, don't we? And, I, and that's not where I'm going today, but I guess it's, you know, what struck me so much in, in this verse, in this, this pivotal moment for the children of Israel. You know, God has just said to Moses, I want to speak to the people. I want them to be within hearing. I want them to hear my voice. That's what God wanted for his people. But in that moment, when they saw just the, you know, the power and the might of God, instead of having that awe, instead of having that reverence, instead of having that, that fear of the Lord that God speaks of, they chose to be afraid in that moment and say, no, Moses, we want you to stand before us. I read this recently. 
Unfortunately, many of us presume that the world is the ultimate threat and that God's function is to offset it. How different this is from the biblical position that God is far scarier than the world. When we assume that the world is the ultimate threat, we give it unwarranted power. For in truth, the world's threats are temporary. When we expect God to balance the stresses of the world, we reduce him to the world's equal. As I walk with the Lord, I discover that God possesses an ominous threat to my ego, but not to me. He reduces me, uh, sorry, he rescues me from my delusions so that he may reveal the truth that sets me free. He casts me down only to lift me back up. He sits in judgment of my sin, but forgives me nevertheless. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but love from the Lord is its completion. Isn't that beautiful? Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and love is its completion. If only the children of Israel had encountered that that day. Chapter 21 onwards, the Lord proceeds to pass down his wisdom to Moses in chapter and chapter and chapter and chapter. And I'm just going to pick up again Exodus 24 and verse 16. Now the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. In the eyes of the children of Israel. So Moses went into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Exodus 25 onwards, again, the Lord is just downloading his wisdom to Moses. And then we'll skip and we'll jump over to chapter 32, verse 1. Sorry, I told you we're doing some exercise today. Now when the people saw Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. From there, we know that the people, the children of Israel, created the golden calf. And they declared, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. In this moment, they definitely didn't possess the fear of the Lord. And I love it. Moses comes down from the mountain, encounters this golden calf, and of course he's absolutely furious. And Aaron comes before him and responds to Moses' anger by saying, Don't be angry. The people gave me this gold. I simply cast it into the fire, and look, this golden calf just miraculously popped out. Oh my goodness, seriously. Can you even fathom if you were standing there before Aaron, your brother, who you had walked out of Egypt with, that is saying these words? Uh, How does one even respond to that? Like, seriously, how stupid can you possibly be and still breathe? What do you take me to be? Anyway, thank the Lord I wasn't there in that moment. Chapter 33 and verse 7. Moses then took his tent and pitched it outside of the camp 
far from the camp and he called it the tabernacle of the meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went into the tabernacle of the meeting, which was outside the camp. Verse 11, I love this. So the Lord spoke with Moses face to face as a man speaks with a friend. Isn't that beautiful? You know, that after all of that time, everything Moses and God had been through, that Moses in that place, in that moment, has that intimacy of that relationship with God. Then he, Moses, uh, sorry, verse 15. Then he, Moses, said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will we know, how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except that you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from the people who are upon the face of the earth. 17. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. Again, just the intimacy of the relationship that Moses had established with God up until that point. Where God says, what you've asked shall be granted because you've found grace in my sight and I know you by name. Verse 18, and then he, Moses, said, please show me your glory. I... I didn't even know what to do with this verse in the week. Josh was walking past me and and I'm reading this and I go, I don't even know. (laughs) I don't even know how to unpack this. I don't even... God had, had met with Moses in the burning bush. He'd taken him back into Egypt before Pharaoh done these signs and wonders parted the Red Sea, led the children of Israel out, provided manna, you know, um, a a cloud by day and and a pillar of fire by night, all of these things. Moses goes up the mountain, encounters God, has the intimacy of this face to face relationship with God. But then in this point, Moses goes, please God, show me your glory. He had this incredible revelation that there is so much more. There's so much more beyond his signs and wonders. There's so much more beyond the wisdom that he downloads. There's so much more than what he's done for us. And God, whatever that more is, I want it. I'm not satisfied. Yes, what you've done is amazing. You know, there's, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind You know, that Moses wasn't enraptured by everything that he knew about God. He came face to face with God. He knew God. But I love that he gets to this point where he says, show me your glory. Show me your glory. Show me more. Show me more than I've encountered. And God's response, verse 19 And God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I'll be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face. For no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, here is a place by me. 
and you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Wow. The glory of the Lord on his face was too powerful for even a man like Moses who had encountered so much of God to even fathom. You know, when you look at someone's back, you can generally tell who it is, can't you? You know, they're still recognizable. But for us to truly know someone, it's in their face, isn't it? You know, you often see with someone that's, that's vision impaired, for them to get an idea of you, they, they want to touch your face, to feel your outline, to see how it's defined. Without seeing someone's face, we don't know the, 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 whether they're sad or they're happy often. We don't know the expression that they're giving. So much of us is, is told by a face, isn't it? I feel like in that moment God is saying, you know, I want to give you so much, but this, the whole expression of this, you can't actually handle it. You can't take it in one seating. I feel like it's telling us that our mere human understanding of the glory of God is so far from the reality of what it actually is. We can't handle to see God in his full glory. Instead, he's constantly showing aspects of his glory. We see the glory of God in each other. We see the glory of God in creation. We see the glory of God in, in, in his acts, in his signs and his wonders. We see the glory of God when we read the word of God. We see the glory of God in all of these things. But like Moses, encountering all of those things of God, he still came to a point where he knew that there was so much more. There's so much more to the glory of God. What's resonated with me through these chapters is is the children of Israel's relationship with God and Moses' relationship. The children of Israel's relationship was through Moses. He performed signs and wonders in front of Pharaoh, as I said. He lifted his staff, he parted the sea, he spoke with God, and then things happened. And this became so evident when they thought Moses was gone, that they had to build a golden calf in his stead. There was no direct relationship to this God that had done all these things. There was no direct relationship to this God of all these signs and their wonders that they had seen. They chose not to experience God firsthand, saying to Moses, you speak to God and then tell us what he said. As a result, there was a separation. Their relationship was secondhand. As soon as Moses was out of the picture, they no longer had a relationship with God. You know, in Exodus chapter 25, it talks about um, the Lord downloading to Moses instructions on the Ark of the Testimony and with the mercy seat on top. And and God basically says that it's there that I will meet you. And the mercy seat actually stood or or was um, erected behind the veil. 
And the veil actually served as a partition between the holy place and the holy of holies. And as you would know, only the high priest was ever allowed into the holy of holies. And they would actually tie a rope around him in case he should die in that place because no one was there going in to fetch his body out. They would just pull him out of that place. And that, that was where they went to see the presence of God. We contrast that then with Moses' relationship. Think of Moses' relationship prior to the point of crying out to God, show me your glory. He encounters God in the burning bush. God performs the signs and wonders for Pharaoh. God parts the Red Sea, provides the manna from heaven, cloud by day, fire by night, speaks to him on the mountain, carves the Ten Commandments on these pieces of stone. What strikes me is that Moses knew there was more from God and he wanted it. He wanted all God was going to offer. He understood the fear of the Lord but was no means afraid of God. He was willing to step into the cloud. He was willing to step into the thunder and the lightning. There was nothing about God that caused him to run and to cower and to be fearful of the mighty hand of God, even after everything that he'd seen to that point. So he can still come to this place and and cry out, God, show me your glory. Show me the essence of who you are. I want to see more than just the manifestation of you. So this left us in a place where we were separated from God where we didn't have free access into the presence of God but as we know God had a better way God knew this wasn't enough for us that we actually needed more so when he sent his son so beautifully portrayed in all of that Matthew 27:51 says and behold the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split. In that powerful moment where Jesus gave up his spirit to the Father, in that moment, God said, no longer is there a separation. No longer does this veil stand in front of you coming into my presence. Hebrews 10:19 Therefore brethren having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God let us draw near with a true a sincere a real a genuine heart in full assurance or a most certain confidence of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with the pure water. Let us hold fast the confessions of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Christ reestablished a way for us. Christ now stands as that veil between us and the Father. So do you know what your father sees when he looks at you? He sees perfection. 
He sees one without spot or wrinkle. He sees his sons and his daughters that he loves, that he wants to be in communion with, that he wants to establish a relationship with, that he wants to show his glory to. So in that moment with God, I feel like he was saying to us as a church, the choice is actually ours. Like the children of Israel. Do you want to know me through your pastor? Do you want to know me through books? Do you want to know me through podcasts or Christian TV that you listen to? Or like Moses, do we say to him, I've seen what you can do. I've experienced what you can do, but I know that there is so much more to you, God. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. Don't hide anything. Don't hold anything back from me because I want more. I want to encounter more. I want to be able to answer that question, who is God? And know firsthand That God isn't who somebody else has told me he is. That God isn't just what it says in here. Because there's so much more. Moses knew, you know, there's there's chapters and chapters and chapters of, of God downloading to Moses his wisdom. God knew Moses better than any man. But, God, but Moses could say in that moment, there is so much more to you, God. It's a journey of every day. It's an journey of, of encountering you more and more. Can I invite the band to come up now? You know, we've all struggled with hurts and disappointments. We struggle to, to reconcile, God, where are you in the midst of this? Or who is God in the midst of this? God's goodness isn't based on what he does or doesn't do, but it's based on who he is. Have we allowed life to define who God is? Have we reduced God to earth's equal? Have we reduced him to that point of being able to, to, to define him in the simplicity of, of our human mind? Or are we every day going, God, I just want you to blow my mind today. I simply want you to to take off the parameters, to take off my, my preconceived ideas. The truth of God trumps the reality of man. Constantly I'm saying that. The truth of God trumps the reality of man. We've got to remind ourselves of that every day because do you know what? The reality of man is out there screaming to us every day. It's within us screaming to us every day. When we've been tormented by the thoughts in our mind, that's the reality of earth. So in that moment, I'm staring at this reality of, of these, these voices and these words in my head that are, that are just spewing all of these things into my being. And so in that moment, I have a choice. 
Is this voice in my head truth? Or is what I know about God, what I'm encountering, what I've seen of him, bigger? Psalm says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusteth in him. We don't taste something secondhand, do we? (laughs) We're not like birds who fly off and and get some food and bring it into the mouth of their, their baby birds. When we taste something, it's firsthand. If I've never tasted a strawberry and you're trying to explain to me the sweetness and, 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 and the joy of a strawberry, I can't. It's so limited by our vocabulary, isn't it? Whereas you can put that strawberry in front of me and say, hey, taste and see. Then I don't need to define the sweetness and the beauty of this. You've encountered it firsthand. I give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his mercy endures forever. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures for generations. In this moment, I'd love for us to stand. I want to give space for us to declare the truth of God over our souls today. For us to put aside the reality of this world that we live in, to put aside our circumstances, what we see, our preconceived ideas. Can we come to a place right now in full surrender and just go, God, you know what? I lay down right now everything that I believe that you are and I allow you to shape it. I allow you to breathe your truth into it. I allow you to reveal more of your glory. Because God, there's more than what I know of you right now. There's more. And if I'm going to continue to live in this world of brokenness, if I'm going to continue to face the things that I face, God, I need your goodness firsthand. I need to know that you are God and you are good. I'm not going to base this off the fact that the pastor gets up every week and says, God, you are good. I'm not going to base this on our worship leaders that get up and say, God, you are good. God, I need to know today that you are God and you are good because that's the only thing that's going to transform my life. It's the only thing that's going to transform the lives of the people around about me. That's the only thing that's going to transform this community is for me to have a firsthand revelation of the goodness of God. And do you know what? Tomorrow, I might have to get up and confess that over my life a hundred times before it sinks in and I start to believe it. But God, if that's what it takes, I'm going to declare that. Oh, soul, rise up. God, show me your glory. So if you want more today, if you want to experience your glory, God is in this place. He's in this place. And like he said to Moses... I want you to experience it. So right now, he's going to pour out his glory upon you. Right now, with hearts open, let's declare these words. Let's cry out to him and say, God, show me. God, right now, as we sing, right now, God, just download to us, Father God. Common church, with all that you are, let's declare these words this morning. They are truth. 
we are speaking to our mind and our will and our emotion and we're declaring the truth of God over our lives right now. Come on, church. He is good. You are good. Times are hard. When I'm battling sickness, when I'm facing hopelessness, when the nights are dark, when I don't know where I'm going. When I'm battling, when I have little faith, when I'm struggling to find Him, when He's right in front of me, (laughs) when He's good. soul feel (laughs) we can't doubt in this moment we can't be sad or fearful in this moment and we're declaring that he is God and he is good when we are declaring that he's never going to let us down I can't hear anything else nothing else matters in this moment but who he is Standing in front of me. He blocks everything else. Everything else that consumed me before that moment. Everything else I believed. Church, let this be our anthem. Let this be our greatest anthem from today forward. I hope, I pray and I release it. The words of that song are going to plague you this week. That they are going to go over and over and over in your head. That you're not going to be able to think or concentrate on anything else because all you are going to be saying is, God, you are good. God, you are good. God, you are good. You're going to be like me. You're going to be singing it in the shower. You're going to be singing it in the toilet. You're going to be singing it from the top of your lungs in your car. It's all that's going to be going on in your head. The truth of God from this day forward that he is good, church. It's so simple. It's so easy. Let it resonate. Let it sink in. Let it sink in. Put it on repeat. Because you are God. And let us church in that moment constantly declare like Moses, God, show me your glory. Not satisfied with what I know today. I want more. I want to encounter more. I want to see more. I want to experience more. I want to know 
who God is. So God, God, we're just in awe of you. God, your majesty, your splendor, your might. God, I pray for us as a people that you would stir our hearts to a holy fear this day, Father God. Lord, that we would tremble as we come into your presence. Lord, that it is with reverence, that it is with respect and honour and just awe of who you are, God, that we come and we come before you in complete surrender and say, God, we want more of your presence. Let that be the cry of our heart. Lord, to be completely and utterly consumed by you, Father God. Lord, that we are never the same. That when the storms of life come, we can declare that you're good. Because, God, we are anchored to the rock. Lord, our, our footing is sure and sound in you. And so, Father, we just say thank you this morning. We thank you that you're good. And that you're never going to let us down. Never going to let us down. Amen, church. Amen. God, you're good. So good. So good. So good. Well, if this is my last time I get to talk to you for a while, God is good. (laughs) God is good. Amen. Amen. And I do. I pray for you all that it just resonates in your mind over the coming weeks. I'm going to hand back to Jamie.